Good morning. Please open your Bibles to Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. If you are using the Pew Bible, you'll find the reading on page 948. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. May God bless our understanding this reading from His Holy Word. Let's pray together. Father, as we have uh, opened Your Word and as it has been uh, read in our presence, so we pray that You now the proclamation of it. And our teacher, Amen. All right, last week, uh, as we were in this same passage, verses 3 through 8, I gave you an assignment. I asked you to pray over these verses and ask God to reveal your spiritual gift to you, and then how you might use your spiritual gift for Christ's glory and the upbuilding of our congregation. Now, I realize some of you were not here last week, uh, so for the purpose uh, of those who've, for those who, who were not here, uh, we talked about really verses 3 through 5, uh, the purpose of spiritual gifts. The purpose of spiritual gifts is to build up the body of Christ um, in order that uh, the church as the body of Christ, might fulfill its God-given task to take the gospel to the world. We are one body in Christ, and the spiritual gifts supply the church with the full range of diverse gifts that we need to obey God and carry out His commission. And so the challenge... um, that we looked at last week is that spiritual gifts are often misunderstood and even abused for the sake of personal pride. So we looked at that. And so, uh, here we are. We're going to look uh, at verses 6 through 8 this morning. And as I said last week, I think it's important to reemphasize every believer in Jesus Christ has a spiritual gift. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift that God specifically gave to you, that the Holy Spirit is specifically imparted to you. 
What are spiritual gifts? Well, we're going to go over that very briefly. Uh, there are different kinds of gifts. There are uh, what I call foundational gifts. Other people call them extraordinary gifts, or other people might call them miraculous gifts. First Corinthians chapter 12 talks about these gifts. Paul says in First Corinthians 12 verse 8, uh, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, and to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. These gifts were given to the church um, as the Christianity was first beginning to be established and while the Word of God was still being written. In other words, these gifts were given to the early church. Uh, they were foundational. We could say transitional as God was establishing uh, His church here on earth and His Word was still being written. These miraculous gifts were given, but they are no longer given as gifts. Um, they have served their purpose. If you want to have more of a discussion about that with me uh, afterwards, we can talk about that. Um, I just don't have the time uh, during this sermon to be able to go into that issue. I think that's a side issue. Uh, I will say that God still heals. But I think it's clear that God is not giving people the gift of healing so that they can go out and clean out hospitals as Peter was able to do uh, in the book of Acts. Um, we do have people who say that they have the, the gift of healing. Uh, we have these faith healers on TV. Um, these faith healers that we see on TV uh, are charlatans. Um, even those who have a sincere faith um, and believe sincerely that they have the gift of healing, uh, God might have used their prayers from time to time to see a person be healed, but in terms of a person having the gift of healing, uh, that was a foundational gift, and it uh, is no longer there as a gift that people have. Um, ministry gifts are another type of gifts. These are gifts uh, given to the church in terms of special uh, types of ordination. Um, all officers are gifted by the Spirit. First uh, Timothy chapter four verse fourteen, Paul says, "Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you." And so Timothy, uh, the council, the elders came up, they laid hands on him to set him apart for the ministry. And we see uh, throughout the book of Acts, um, Paul laying hands on. Uh, different men and ordaining them for the uh, to be elders, some to be deacons, uh, some to be ministers. And so the laying on of hands is widely practiced through the New Testament. Um, we saw in, in Acts chapter 6, the elders came and laid hands on the, uh, the deacons 
as they were ordained for office as well. But in Ephesians chapter 4, there is a list given of special types of ordination. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 and 8 makes it clear that these um, ordination offices are gifts given to the church. So uh, Paul says in, in Ephesians 4, 7 and 8, Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when He ascended on high, He led a host of captives and He gave gifts to men. And then he talks about uh, these particular gifts in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And He gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the shepherd teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. So he's not talking about all officers here in this passage. He's talking about a a special um, a special type of ordination. Um, He mentions apostles. He mentions prophets. He mentions evangelists. He mentions shepherds, teachers. And they were given for a specific task to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. And again, like these foundational gifts, the apostles and the prophets had a foundational ministry. They no longer have offices. Uh, They're no longer apostles. They're no longer prophets. But we still do have evangelists. We still do have... um, Shepherd teachers, or pastor teachers, as some of your translation may have it. I'm a shepherd teacher. Our denomination calls me a teaching elder. Uh, Our um, elders in the congregation are called ruling elders. We also have um, the the office of evangelist is still an ongoing office. Uh, The office of evangelist is necessary for the church. Uh, most churches overlook the necessity of having an evangelist for the church. Uh, I've seen this in this passage. Frankly, I've prayed for years that God would bring an evangelist to the church. And uh, when Jimbo walked through the doors of the church, I recognized very early on that God was answering those prayers and giving us the interest to boot. Uh, here's a a man who is an evangelist. In fact, um, our presbytery, there are guys that are having Jim Jimbo drive across uh, Tampa to pray with them early in the morning for their evangelism. And he and their guys in our in our presbytery are sending Jimbo out to meet with non-Christians, uh, family members in their own congregations. They recognize Jimbo has a gift of evangelism. He's, I think he's gifted as an evangelist. And uh, I've wanted an evangelist in our congregation to keep our congregation moving in evangelism. I don't have the gift of evangelism. Uh, I felt like, as Paul told Timothy, do the work of evangelism, that I was to do that work um, even though I didn't have that gift. And I was to encourage others to do that work. But I was also praying, God, bring us someone who has uh, very clearly the gift of evangelism, who would be uh, a person that we could see that God has set apart 
as an evangelist. And so uh, I want Jimbo not only in doing the evangelism he does, and he goes out in our community uh, twice a week and then goes out uh, for other churches uh, later that day and then twice a week he's also over in the, uh, in the prisons. And uh, I'm thrilled that he's doing that. And I also want him to get our congregation, just keep us moving and going. And so if Jimbo comes and says, hey, we need this, uh, need this for this outreach as we've been doing, um, it's, it's an important thing. Uh, it's part of what God has called us to do. We're to go out. We're to share our faith. And Jimbo is someone who is, God has gifted. And uh, I would say let him stir you to evangelism. Even if you don't have an evangelistic gift. Even if you're, you're not as experienced. Go and learn with him. Go out when he's going around in our community sometime. Because that's what God, that's part of what God wants us as a church to do. He's given us evangelists to help us as a congregation to go and fulfill the, uh, the, the commission and the calling that He has given us as a church. We're stunned in our growth if we, don't, if we aren't doing evangelism. So I see Jimbo as being a, a very wonderful gift to our congregation. And so there are these special types of ordination that are given as gifts to the church. And then there are the ordinary gifts. And I don't mean ordinary in terms of plain and less important, uh, but ordinary in terms of this is, every one of you has one of these ordinary gifts. If you're ordained, you have one of these ordinary gifts. If you're not ordained, you have one of these ordinary gifts. If you're a young child who is a believer in Jesus Christ, you have one of these gifts. If you are older and a shut-in and are unable to get out of the house, you still have one of these gifts that you can put into practice for the upbuilding of the church and for the proclamation of the gospel out in the world. There are two different categories of ordinary gifts. First uh, Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift, let uh, or use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, and whoever serves as one who serves by the, the strength that God supplies, in order that, every, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And so Peter, in the most broad sense of the term, separates these ordinary gifts into uh, two types. They're speaking gifts and they're serving gifts. And we have both of these represented in our passage in Romans chapter 12. So if you look at Romans 12, uh, verses 6 through 8, having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So there are speaking gifts that are here in this list, and there are serving gifts. The speaking gifts prophesying, he says, if you prophesy, you are to prophesy according 
um, to um, according to the grace. I'm sorry. In proportion to our faith, I believe this word prophesying here is preaching. Uh, I think I can make the case pretty convincingly. Don't have time to make it now. You can come to me afterwards and we can talk about that. But um, I think this is talking about preaching. There's also another teaching gift or speaking gift that's that's listed here in um, verse 7. That's teaching. And then in verse 8, there is a third speaking gift, and that is exhortation. And so there are these speaking gifts. These speaking gifts are essential to us carrying out our God-given task. The church does not fight our battles against the world with guns or swords. The church does not even fight our battles in the world in the ballot, uh, with the ballot box or in the voting booth. Ultimately, God chooses our leaders. Whoever our leaders are, Our calling as a church remains the same. Our task as a church remains the same. Uh, We are to fight spiritual warfare. There are two uh, things that God has given us in our uh, to fight um, the spiritual battle that He has given us as a church. First and foremost is on our knees in prayer. And then secondly, we are to fight through the use of persuasion. We are to fight using words. Specifically, we are to fight using the powerful gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 1 that the gospel is the power of God. And so we are to fight using the Gospel. The Gospel is the sword of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And so these speaking gifts, the, the preaching the teaching, the exhortation are, are our weapons that we use to fight the spiritual fight. Uh, these are our tools to build up the body of Christ, if you want to use the metaphor of, of us being construction workers. Those of you who have these speaking gifts are to build up the body of Christ by your preaching and teaching and exhortation, all with Jesus Christ being at the center of your preaching, teaching, and exhortation. And so this preaching here is um, proclaiming the Gospel in the power of the Spirit to believers and to unbelievers. Then there's teaching Teaching is teaching the truth of the Gospel and defending the Gospel from false teaching. It's different than preaching. Uh, I got to spend a week with J.I. Packer 
um, when I was doing my pastoral internship. He came to the church where I was and got to have a lot of personal time with him. Got to ask him a lot of questions and he taught a number of classes over that week because we were having a spiritual emphasis week. And in his question and answer and in his teaching, it was like hearing the voice of God, to hear this man's wisdom. It was just amazing. And then on Sunday, he stood up to preach. And it was awful. I could not believe it. Um, And everybody, I was looking around at my friends going, this is J.I. Packer, what happened to him? His gift was not preaching. But as a teacher, he is unrivaled. I experienced the same thing with John Gershner when I had a class with him. Tremendous teaching. But then he got up in the pulpit and preached that Sunday. Wow, there's something lacking here. Um, And I think that's what what preachers do. I think they judge other preachers. (laughs) It's probably not right, but but, uh, that's what I was doing at that point in my life. Um, And then there's this third speaking gift, exhortation. What is exhortation? Well, it's practical teaching with a strong command to obey the teaching. Um, Warren is not here today. Therefore, I'm going to speak freely. <laughs> I had it in my mind as an illustration. Um, you know, Warren Bridgman, he has, in my opinion, I've never asked him, but it's just my opinion, I believe he has the gift of exhortation. You know, even just having a conversation, just a, a regular conversation with him, his, his conversation has legs. In other words, there's, there's an implied, well, you need to go do this. You know, and in his teaching, you can, you can, you can, uh, you, those of you who sat under his teaching, um, you know, there's a, it, it's very practical, but it's, it's not just practical teaching, there is this, um, implied if he's not saying it overtly, and he's saying it overtly oftentimes, you need to go do this. You need to, to get up out of your seat, and you need to go obey God. There's this exhortation to get moving. And I appreciate having Warren in our congregation because I think I'm more geared as a teacher. And so if I'm teaching, I'm going to want to teach you or I want to give you these reasons why you need to obey. And by the time I get finished giving you the reasons, it sounds like if I haven't convinced you yet, then maybe you don't need to go. You don't need to obey. You don't need to get up and, and, and move. Warren, he moves from just a... Here's what God's Word says. Now you go do it. That's an exhorter. And I appreciate that. And there are um, among us, those of you who with these teaching gifts, and what God says are are these these speaking gifts. And God says, put them into practice. He says, um, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. In other words, if you've got the gift of exhortation, exhort. Um, if you have the gift of teaching, teach. So put it into practice. Um, we need uh, not only the Sunday morning preaching, we need the teaching, we need the exhortation as we are going to be um, what God has called us to do. We need the teachers to guard us, to guard the truth, to guard us from error. 
We need the exhorters to get us moving out of the out of our pews and and into obedience to God. And of course, we need the preaching as well. Uh, then there are serving gifts. Uh, he lists four gifts here in in uh, verses six through eight. He lists serving in general. He lists giving. He lists leadership, and he lists lists mercy. These are serving gifts. Uh, this word in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace, let us use them, I'm sorry, in verse 7, is service in our serving. The word for serving is diakonin. I know this. Diakonia. That's it, I'm sorry. Um, and... Uh, this is a practical service. This is one who's not just serving behind the scenes. It might also be one who has the gift of administration. These people tend to be very good team players. Um, sometimes working out, working behind the scenes, keeping people moving, keeping ministries going, but also people who uh, have the gift of administration and are able to get people moving in different ways, showing some leadership, but getting people moving and getting people organized. So this is the gift of serving. Then there's the gift of uh, giving um, in uh, verse 8. In generosity. I'm sorry, the one who contributes in generosity. This is someone who contributes in money, but also in various resources. Uh, it energizes them to give. We have people in this congregation um, that it it really does energize them to give. I get to be the joyful uh, conduit from time to time where they say, someone will say, I want to give this money to this or to this person. I don't want them to know, Pastor, would you pass this along anonymously? And uh, typically, these are people who have the gift of giving. And Paul says, if you have the gift of giving, be generous. They also have the gift of giving wisely. Uh, they're able to see needs that other people don't see. And they um, take the initiative to start meeting those needs. And then there's the gift of leadership. The one who leads with zeal. Lead with zeal. There's people who have the gift of getting other people to follow them. They are able to put a vision before a group of people and uh, inspire them to do what they need to do to obey the Lord. And Paul tells them, if you've got that gift of leadership, don't put it under a bushel. Lead with zeal. And then lastly, there's under this uh, serving gift, there's the gift of mercy. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. These people love to work with the poor or with the weak or I mean with the weak or with the sick, with the elderly, maybe with the addicted. These are the people who have their eye on the outcast, the people who have been sinned against. And they have their their heart just flows out in mercy. And Paul says, if you have this gift, exercise it with cheerfulness. You know, God expects the church 
to reach out to the poor and to the weak and do it in His name. We, we studied in Sunday school this morning the book of Micah. And uh, that is the message of the book of Micah. And so if you have the gift of mercy, use that gift with cheerfulness because you help us as a congregation fulfill our God-given calling. What's the difference between gifts and talents? And I'm moving toward a conclusion quickly. Uh, but I have, um, I have a story that I wanted to tell that will help you understand the gifts, the difference between gifts and talents. I think it will also help you understand how you'll be able to recognize your gift. Um, and um, will help you to... Um, to understand how your use, your proper use of your gift can lead to more transformation in your own life and in the life of the church. Um, but before I do that, I just want to, I, I do want to back up to one thing that I had uh, skipped over, and that is spiritual gifts. The ultimate thing that I think a spiritual gift does is it makes a person unstoppable in their service for Christ. The one who has the gift of giving, he says, be generous with that gift. Be unstoppable with that gift. The one who has the gift of leading should lead with zeal. Be unstoppable in the, the exercise of that gift. The one who has the gift of mercy should be unstoppable in using that gift of mercy. They should do it with cheerfulness. Uh, God wants the church to be unstoppable. He wants the church to storm the gates of hell. He wants us to go out, and when we are feeling pushback from the world, He wants us to keep going all the more strongly. And so He wants us as individuals who are unstoppable because of our spiritual gift that God has given us. He wants us to collectively as a body go and not stop until His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants the church to be unstoppable. Now, having a bunch of people who are practicing their gifts unstoppably will make the church unstoppable. But it occurs to me that if there are people that are... Um, uh, practicing their gifts in an un unstoppably, it could also um, might open us to being obnoxious. You know, one person has this gift and they're unstoppable in that gift, and that's all they're doing, and they have no concern for other people. Well, that can be kind of obnoxious. Uh, so that's why Paul, I think, in verses nine and following nine through twenty-one, the rest of the chapter, he talks about love. So in verse 9, he says, let love be genuine. As you're practicing your spiritual gift, make sure that the leading edge, the tip of, your, uh, of the arrow of your gift is love. I will say, though, I'd rather be obnoxious than lethargic. But practicing love will help us be neither. So here's the story I wanted to tell you. Um, because I think it will help you 
understand the gift, the difference between gifts and talents. It'll help you understand how you can find your own spiritual gift, and it'll also help um, illustrate the proper use of one's spiritual gift. How that can help you um, be transformed in your own life as well as in another person's life. Last year, last May, I went to Uganda, uh, as you know, and there was a PCA pastor that went with us. And the reason he went was because his daughter was going. And he wanted to, if his daughter's going to the other side of the world, he decided he's going on this missions trip to be able to look after her and make sure nothing happens to her. Um, our first day there, well, we got there late, but then the first morning we went out and did evangelism. And this pastor, PCA pastor, first time he'd ever led someone to Christ. I was stunned. How in the world did you get into the ministry? Me and my judging again. But um, he led this one person to Christ, and it was revolutionary for him. And he started leading other people to Christ, and that's all he wanted to do. And so then as the 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 weeks, we were there three weeks, and we would go and do these evangelism uh, training. And Dr. Krabbendam, you've met Dr. Krabbendam, so you kind of get a picture here. He decided that uh, I was going to... He wanted to see if I would take over his ministry since he's getting older. He wanted to push me into uh, to doing these evangelism conferences all over Uganda. And so he had me up in the morning teaching. And I go, I've never attended these conferences. Yeah, but you are my student and you've got notes and you can do it. So he had me up teaching and telling people I'm the taking over his ministry when he retires. And uh, so we would do this all morning, and then in the afternoon till about 3.30. We... It's not part of who I am. I, I want to love people. I have to pray, God, help me. Give me a heart for the lost and go and evangelize. Um, and I, I love doing it when I'm doing it. And like I said for years, you get me past the first ten, or first ten seconds. That's the hardest part for me. And then we can, we're, you know, and we're in the middle of the discussion. I can go. But I just am amazed. Jimbo's able to just break right through any kind of barriers. And there are other people who have the gift of evangelism. And they just go, and they're unstoppable. And you with your various gifts, you can be unstoppable in, 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 um, in carrying out that gift. What happened to this pastor was he came back to America and got back into his pastoral duties and just couldn't take it. He was a pilot by training. He quit the ministry to go out. He does his piloting to support his family. Every moment that he's not piloting, he is sharing his faith. He's out on the boardwalk in New Jersey and different places. And he found his gift. And the point that I want to drive home is 
We don't have to have spiritual um, gift seminars and things like that. What you need to do is you need to get busy. If you don't know your gift, get busy serving the church. Your gift and your talent and your desires, those will usually mesh pretty easily. And so, what is it that you like doing? What is it that you're good at? That's probably your spiritual gift. It probably gets you pretty close to it. And as you're going hard for God, you'll know what it is. And you'll become unstoppable. The very the difficulty here is that we can become easily very stoppable. Romans 7, the very thing I want to do, I don't do. And the very thing I hate, that's what I end up doing. And we can be stoppable in the exercise of our spiritual gifts. What is the way forward? To tie this whole passage together, look at verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. He starts off in verse 12, I'm sorry, in verse 1, by the mercy excuse me, by the mercies of God. In other words, dwell on God's mercies. Dwell on all His mercies to you. Dwell on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dwell on the fact that God, holy God, loved you so much that He sent His only Son here to earth to die for your sins. Dwell on the fact that the grave could not contain the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Dwell on the fact that He rose gloriously from the dead. He is seated at the right hand of God in making intercession for you. Dwell on the fact that He is coming back for His own. Dwell on the fact that He has made your heart His home by His Holy Spirit. Dwell on all these mercies. And what will happen is as as you do that, you're going to be renewed. Um in your soul. And as he says, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That all takes place by dwelling on the Lord Jesus Christ, loving Him. And then that's the engine which gets you going and serving Him. Dwelling on the mercies of God. Uh, causes you to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And as you do that, your commitment to Him will grow. As you do that, your your service for Him will grow. And as you do that, your spiritual gift will pop out. God loves you so very much. Serve Him. Find your spiritual gift. It's just listed right here in verses 6 through 8. And we serve Him unstoppably by His grace. Let's pray together. Father, we have uh, looked at this passage and uh, taken more of a teaching stance to this passage. But Lord, I, I pray and exhort Your people to be busy about the, um, the work of Your kingdom. Lord, we are one body. 
we think of ourselves as a small church family, but Lord, You have gifted us with every spiritual gift through the, the variety of members You have brought here. So we are well equipped to do Your will, to serve You in every way. Help us to be faithful in serving You. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.